You guys are sounding really good this morning. Please have a seat. All right. Good morning, everybody. Hey, you like my shoes? Can you see my shoes? They're hand-me-downs for my 13-year-old. He outgrew them, and they fit me. Like 15 minutes ago, he was like this big. I could hold him like this. He's wearing a little onesie, and now, whew, he didn't get his height jeans from me. So we're thankful for that and the family. It's going to be all good. And I want to follow up from last week. If you were here last week, and hopefully you were, we talked about two main things. We began the service by talking about all the things that God did here in 2009. Actually, let me take that back. Not all the things, because there's a whole lot more things than even what I listed. But I listed a bunch of things that God did here at the Living Stones Church in 2009. And it was just the act of sitting down and writing out the things I could recall. Because you get busy in life, right? I mean, the year moves on and uh, you forget what happened in March. It was a neat thing for me just to sit down to think through the year and begin to write out, this happened here, this happened, we're thankful that God did this, and we saw this at Livingstone's Church in 2009, and so I'm thankful for that. And it, it was a reminder to me that those things were possible, that big, long, and if you missed it, go to the podcast and listen to it. You can find a link at our website, www.livingstones.cc. Listen to that podcast and listen to all the things that God did in 2009. But as I was reflecting on it, I recognized it was possible because of two reasons. One is just God's faithfulness. God is good. God is faithful. And then an extension of that is, number two, your generosity. God's faithfulness and as an extension of that, your generosity are the reasons why all of those things happened in 2009. And so as we kind of now look at 2010, I want to, on behalf of the leaders here at the Living Stones Church, just say thank you for your generosity last year, and for your willingness to invest in the kingdom of God in this place by giving to the mission and vision of Living Stones Church through your tithes and offerings. And I really do hope that you will see your offering. Like every week when that tray comes by and you put some money in, you put your check in, I hope you will never put it in with the thought that this is your financial obligation or some duty of piety or these are your membership dues, but rather you will see it as a literal investment in the kingdom of God. That sometime during the week when you make out your check or on your way here or even in the moment, you will hold it and think to yourself and pray, Lord Jesus, I give this to you to expand your kingdom here on earth like it is in heaven. That when we invest in something, what we're doing is we're providing capital that it needs to continue on with its purpose. Knowing that in the end, if all goes well, when those purposes are reached, there's a return. So if you invest in business, for example, in the end you're hoping the business makes a bunch of profit and there'll be a return on your investment. So I give an X number amount of cash, the business succeeds, and in the end, because it's profit, I get back even an extra amount by way of returns. If you invest in an educational edu institution, what's happening is you're giving money to a particular institution of education, hoping to provide for it and its purposes, good quality programs, a good degree, if you give to a nonprofit organization, what's happening is you're investing in their purposes, whatever they might be, their charitable goals, hoping that the return will be the fulfillment of those purposes. But when you give to the church, and the Living Stones Church is no exception, what you're investing in is the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that is that God's reign and rule, what he wants to happen here on earth as it's reflected in heaven, is what we are investing in. When we tithe, when we give of our offerings, we're investing in that kingdom. And I'm telling you, when that takes place, it should be for us the idea of getting to participate in the kingdom of God, the most life-giving, joy-filled, dynamic, and exciting investment of them all. 
Because out of all those possibilities of business and education and nonprofits, investing in the kingdom of God is the only place where you will find a 100% guarantee back on your investment. It is the only place that God is its backer, and because of that, you will not only see your investment in this life, but in the one to come, you'll lose nothing, and you will get a guaranteed return. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, referring to our labor overall, not particularly just money per se, but he says this in verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And why? Because God is the backer, and if God is the backer, he's the one that provides the return. So as we look into 2010, like we did last week in 2009, what we anticipate is that God is going to do more amazing things, and he will do those things in 2010 based on two primary reasons. Number one, his goodness and faithfulness. And number two, through that, your generosity. And you need to know as a church, we are committed to vision being the driving force of our congregational life, not money. See, we want to be a church where vision is the thing that drives us. What does God call us to do? What does God want from us? What does God expect from us? What has he laid on our heart? What are the opportunities that he's given to us? And that be the force of 2010, not as we're trying to count the money, do we have enough to do this, where money drives everything. You might know that in your own life where money seems to drive your decisions rather than life vision. Here at the Livingstones Church, we want vision to be the driver of all things and not money. Money should always be the servant of vision and not the other way around. And so, as we mentioned last week, in 2010, we foresee some very exciting things. Again, if you missed it, go listen to the podcast. Lots of great things that we planned in 2010, and we expect it to be a good year. We are going to continue, number one, to focus on our outreach to make an impact on the south side of South Bend. That to the 42,500 people who live on the south side of South Bend, that live in the zip codes of 46613, 4661. Ah, oh, that's good. A little shaky there. For the 11,800 kids who live on the south side of South Bend, we want to continue to make an impact here on the south side. By the way, tomorrow, two checks are going to go out in the mail. Remember the Christmas Eve offering we took up this year? Two checks, both of them for $2,000. One going to Monroe School, the other one going to the Broadway Christian Parish. Isn't that awesome? That's fantastic. Don't tell them it's coming. They don't know yet. Hopefully they don't know yet, but they should get, those are just fun letters to write with. Hey, here's some money. Gift from the Living Stones Church. Thank you for your generosity. We're going to continue efforts to form intentional relationships through prayer and service and invitation. And do you know some aspects of our vision cost us nothing? The line item is a big zero, like prayer, praying for our church, praying for our neighborhoods. You know how much that costs us? Nothing. So it's great. You love when things like that pan out. But there are other things like service. Every time we do a monthly activity by way of reef, it is your tithes and offerings that fuels that service that goes down here on the south side of South Bend. Every time we send out those postcards to 9,000 homes on the south side of South Bend, it is your tithes and offerings that fuel those things. It is into postage, into advertising, into banners, to gifts. There's a whole array of things that take place as we're seeking uh, intentional relationships with people who live around us by way of community. And number three, we're going to keep seeking spiritual transformation. As we talked last week, we've got growth groups we want, but we need resource for training and different materials. We have costs and 
incur on discovery classes, our baptismal services for benevolence. Can I tell you, last year we helped a ton of families out that needed it. It's a rough year for a lot of people. A lot of people just found themselves in bad situations, loss of job, and we as a church were able to help in a benevolent way. That happens because of your tithes and offerings. Our ministry through the Kids Canyon, which we invested a lot this past year, young life, middle school, high school, what you see taking place in worship, are all possible because of your investment in the kingdom of God here at the Living Stones Church. And then number four, as we mentioned last week, we probably will not send out a brand new church in 2010, but at least by the end of the year, we want to have a lot of questions answered on how to do that to maybe send out a Living Stones church on the east side of South Bend. And we know in order to do that, there are one-time expenses to that. There are issues of property, whether we rent or own. You have to bring on somebody on staff to send out to pastor that place. And we mentioned last week other things in 2010, like birthing a third service, fixing our parking lot, which I know doesn't get everyone all yippy-skippy, but when that snow melts and your car goes through that hole that's in the ground, you're going to wish that we purchased our blacktop and fixed our parking lot. We have other spatial issues here and improvements, and let me tell you, we've come a long way as a church. Really, five years ago, this was a totally different place by way of look than it is today because of those small incremental steps by way of investment. And number four, we talked last week about staffing. Because of the growth that we've experienced, we are in desperate need of two full-time staff people predominantly in the area of children and worship. It is your tithes and offerings that are invested in this place that allows those things to happen. And what I'm looking forward to, Lord willing, is the first Sunday of January 2011. Just fast forward. The first Sunday of January 2011, I'll get to stand up and with a like twice the size list that I just read last week and say, let us be reminded of all the things God did here in 2010. And I'll just go and start reading. God did this, God did this, God did this. We got to see this happen. We got to celebrate this. This was a victory that we got to see at the Living Stones Church. And you'll know, as I'm reading it, you had a hand in it, you had a part in it because of your investment in the kingdom of God at the Living Stones Church. Because we want to be a church that is generous and at the same time faithful with the money that is invested here. Now let me talk about this for a moment. Because this is important that you know this in terms of the desire and commitment to be faithful with all money that gets invested in this place. This is what Paul says. Paul has a heart for the church in Jerusalem, for the Jewish community that's there. And part of the burden he feels is things are hard in Jerusalem and there's famine and people aren't eating and they're poor. He goes around to predominantly Gentile churches to take up a collection. And so picture in your mind Paul going around to different churches predominantly who are Gentile in makeup taking from them an offering with the intent to go back to Jerusalem. In reference to that collection, to that offering, to that investment, he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 19. What is more, he, and when he says he, he's referring to Titus. You'll learn this just a few verses ahead of that. But he's talking about uh, just a great person of the faith, uh, somebody who hangs out with Paul. Titus is his name. Was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. Now, what's the point of the offering? It's to help the church in Jerusalem, but it's really to honor the Lord. And so what we do with this is to honor God and to show our eagerness to help. He says, we, this is why Titus is hanging along and why Titus was chosen by the, church, by the churches. We want to avoid any criticism of the way that we administered this liberal gift. Right? A lot of money. Paul's got a lot of money, and he wants to be above any criticism that might be uh, lodged at him. And so he has these mechanisms in place. And so he says in the end, for we, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. And as we read newspaper stories and hear on the news and you see in business and in the church and everywhere else where scandal this, somebody stole money here, it was inappropriately spent in this. I mean, those stories are all over the place. But here at the Living Stones Church, we want to be above all of those things. 
that we are doing what is right and faithful, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but in the eyes of those who are here and in our community to know that what is invested here is used faithfully. And because of that, there is we, we want to be accountable and auditable and also, above all things, faithful. There is an implied promise that is made to those who give here that when you give, it is used with intentionality and purpose and wisdom, which means things like this for us. Here at the Livingstones Church, we have hardly anything in terms of a savings account. We just don't. We, just, we don't have hordes of money stored in a savings account. I'm not even saying if a church does that, that it's wrong. All I'm saying is here at the Livingstones Church, we don't think that you are sacrificing and giving to this church so we can hold back a bunch of money. We think that what you're giving, you want to be used for the kingdom of God here in this area. Because of that, we live almost on a week-to-week basis. What you give is what we use to further the ministry and the vision and the mission of the Living Stones Church. Because we think of this intentionality and purpose and faithfulness and wisdom, you need to know that here we have kingdom work in store, not just some plan of maintenance. And I'm telling you, when churches go through hard times, and churches do go through hard times, especially now, I've got pastor friends all over who are talking about all the cuts they're having to make and all the things that they're having to do to survive, you get into maintenance mode, which means your budget looks something like, well, how do we keep the electricity on and how do we pay the preacher? Not that I'm opposed to paying the preacher, amen? But that's not the budget of the Living Stones Church. That's just a fraction. I mean, it's in there, but it's just a fraction of it. We want to do kingdom things with the things that you're investing here at Living Stones Church. And because of those kingdom things and that kingdom perspective, it means we don't do gold and jewels. We don't. That tray that takes up our tithes and offerings is going to go by your, by your row, and it looks gold, but it's fake because that's what we do here. It's just fake. We want quality, but we're not extravagant. We're just not a fancy church. If you don't believe me, go into our bathrooms and you will know we do not invest a ton of money on gold-plated things here at the Living Stones Church. We're kind of penny pinchers in that way, and there might be even a pride that goes along with that. But here's some other good news. We aren't in crisis. As we move into 2010, giving here is stable. This is not an urgent plea this morning to please help bail us out of the budget we set for 2009 that we didn't make and we're this short, and, and really, that's happening all over the place. And I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying that's not happening here. We're stable by way of giving. Our budget for 2009, while stretched from 2008, contended with the reality of recession and life situations and the stories that we're aware of here in our church of people who are still looking for a job. And our growth this past year has helped us remain stable. But we are going to keep moving forward even if our giving remains the same. If our giving in 2010 is the exact same as it was in 2009, I want you to know we are still going to move forward because God has called us to it. But I, on behalf of the leadership here, am asking you to join us in moving forward with greater speed and capturing some opportunities of growth that are before us right now. And if you missed it, listen to the podcast from last week. But I'm telling you, there are opportunities of growth that are in front of us right now, opportunities that we have. We're asking you as a church to help us in that. We really do believe that God is calling us to invest in things that will have that return. Remember that parable Jesus told, the parable of the talents? Is anyone, is anyone familiar with that story? Jesus tells a story about uh, talents. And in, in Jesus' day and age, talents isn't like, ooh, I can juggle. I mean, talents was a, was a denomination of money. And one day a master gives money over to some of his servants, and one servant uh, invests it and gets double the return. The next one does the exact same thing. But the third one, knowing that the master demanded a lot, decided that he was scared, so he just buried it in the ground and did nothing with it and handed back the exact same amount that he had, that, that he had received. And the master was hacked off. He said, are you serious? 
you should have at least given it to the bank so I could get it, so I could get some sort of return on this investment, and then it would just end up being a bad deal. So we think Jesus is calling us to take those steps of faith and to some risk involved. Number two, we think God wants us to sit down and literally figure out the cost of discipleship and what it means to follow him. Like on a very personal level, Jesus gives us teachings that say, you should sit down and figure out the cost of being one of my disciples because it will cost. And in, in the same way, congregationally, I think that's a good principle that we should sit down and in 2010 figure out the cost of living out the vision God has called us to. Here's what Jesus said, Luke chapter 14, verse 28, he says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Because if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, right, because he ran out of money, didn't figure out the cost, if ever, then everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying... <laughs> This guy this began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king, here's another illustration, is about to go to war against another king. Will he first sit, not first sit down and consider whether he's able with his 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? And if he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So using that principle, we sat down and figured out what should be the budget for 2010 here at the Living Stones Church. And you need to know it's not an infinite number. It is a real pragmatic exercise. What has God called us to this year? And how much will that cost? We aren't asking for millions. We don't need millions. Now, if you have millions you'd like to give, we'll figure something out for that kind of a crisis. But that's not what we're asking for. That's not what God has called us to. Again, if you have millions... No, Number three, here's also what we believe. If we're faithful with little, God will trust us with more. If we're faithful with little, God will trust us with more. This is what he says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little, then can also be trusted with much. But whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling uh, worldly wealth, who in the world is going to trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So this is what it looks like here at the Living Stones Church, for those of you who don't know. To figure out the process of figuring out the cost of vision here at the Living Stones Church, this is what happens. Number one, we ask all of our ministry leaders to submit a 2010 budget proposal. On the back of your bulletin is a list of all of our ministry leaders and the ministries that they lead. We've asked all of them, would you submit for 2010 your proposed 2010 budget? Now you need to know... It isn't a dream the impossible dream budget, right? Oh, dream the impossible. No, it's, no, honestly, sit down and seriously ask, what is God giving you by way of opportunity in 2010, and how much would it cost money-wise to do that? And then they submit those budgets. Myself, my staff, the elders here at the church begin to work on broad, visual moves that are necessary to keep us moving in regards to our vision, things like staffing issues, third service, the number of message series of postcards, we want, those sorts of things. All that then goes to Jeff Hammett and the stewardship ministry. They crunched numbers from 2009 trying to determine an accurate prediction for 2010 on a variety of factors, things that we would say are constant, things like the church van as it goes out every week and brings people back in, how many gallons of gas do you need in a year, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff. How much did we pay in 2009 by way of electric bills? What can we expect in 2010? You put all that together. And there you have it, the 2010 budget for the Vision of Living Stones Church. Can I share with you some numbers? Don't get lost. Can I share with you some numbers? Here we go. First, the average weekly giving in 2008, so I'm going back, 2008, the average weekly giving 
was $4,847. Add it all up at the end of the year, uh, divide by 52, it was $4,847. Last year, 2009, our average weekly giving was $5,470, right? $5,470, which means in the midst of an economic recession, in the midst of economic crisis, in the midst of unemployment, we as a church were able to increase our giving in that year's time by 13%. And I don't take that lightly. And I am thankful for that, and I totally recognize the stories that are going on not only in our church, but all around us, and so that is no small deal. What I at least want to point out, not to damper our enthusiasm, but I do want to point out by way of numbers, while our giving increased by 13% from 2008 to 2009, do you know what our attendance increased by way of percent in 2008 to 2009? 60%. So we grew as a church by 60% in one year's time. Now, just hypothetically, if our giving had kept pace with our attendance, then at the end of 2009, we would be seeing, on average, a weekly giving of $7,755. $7,755. So, let's pass out the plates and pick up what you owe us right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me give you some 2010 budget numbers. Here's what we did. You take the average of our offerings in 2009, which is $5,400 per week, right? Just by average. $5,400 in 2009, and you set that as the baseline for 2010 budget because we're just like that. We want to be fiscally conservative, responsible, those sorts of things. So we know let's just plan in 2010 to have a weekly giving of $5,400, and now we have to somehow make this work, which means all those ministry leaders' budgets they submitted and proposed, they, we've got to figure out what can stay and what, what has to go. What are the ideas and the dreams and the hopes and things that God's put in our heart to do this year that might not be able to make it? So we've broken it down to three phases. Can I show you the three phases? Here they are. Phase number one, with 5,400 as a baseline, to fully fund the budgets that were submitted by our ministry leaders for 2010. Okay, So everything that the ministry leaders gave to us, let's fully fund that. To do that and to hire a full-time staff person, most likely in, children, in the area of children, and to redo our parking lot, which we estimate to be about $15,000 is what they told us it would probably cost us, $15,000, to do those three things, fully fund our ministry budgets, hire a full-time staff person, and redo our parking lot. What we would need is an increase of offering in 2010 from 2009 of $51,740. $51,740. Now let me give you another number. As of last Sunday, we have here at the Livingstones Church 199 all-in family units that attend here. 199, 199 family units that have said we are all-in here at the Livingstones Church. In addition, we have 54 family units who have identified themselves as we come here on a regular basis, giving us a total of 253 family units here at the Livingstones Church. Now, if you break down that $51,740 into 100, just take, just take all-in families, just all-inners, 199 all-in family units into a 52-week span of time, that comes out to $5 more per week per family unit. What that means is in 2010, if every person here who has said they're all-in would be willing to give $5 more this year than they did last year, and to do that in 2010, what that means is we would be in a position to be able to fully fund our ministries, to get a higher full-time children's minister, and to redo our parking lot. $5 more per week per family unit. Phase number two. In addition to all of those things that we just mentioned, 
Phase number two is this. Not only can we do all of those things, but also hire a second full-time staff position, which we talked about last week we're in desperate need of, to pastor our worship system overall. And number two, to make a modest investment in some of our building improvements, things like this backway entryway, which is kind of funny if you step back and look at it for the first time again, our kitchen, and these windows, which were put in in 1956. It isn't a ton of money, but if you just add those two things together, by way of offering in 2010, we would need an additional $93,132 more this year than we received last year. So what that means is, once again, if you break that down into 199 all-in family units, that would be $9 more per family unit per week for 2010. $9 more a week would allow us to fund all of our ministries, hire two full-time staff people, fix our parking lot, and do some more modest building improvements here at the Living Stones Church. $9 more per week. Finally, phase three would be this. Not only would we be able to do all those things, but even in addition, it would allow us to give capital to begin investments on the south side. You've heard me talk about Miami Hills Apartments, all the abandoned homes that are all over our neighborhood, just north of our church building. Capital to begin investing in a church that we want to send out to the east side of South Bend, which would have some initial cost to it. Money available for greater facility investments like this lobby that we call a lobby that's really a glorified hallway. We would need an increased giving in 2010 of $124,176 per year. Once again, if you break that down into 199 all-in family units, that would be a total of $12 more per week per family unit. If all 199 family units that are all in here at the Living Stones Church gave $12 more per week, you know what our average weekly giving would be then? It would be $7,700. Do you remember what I mentioned by way of figure? If our attendance, if our giving had kept up with our attendance this past year, what our weekly average would be? 60%. $7,755. So this isn't huge. This isn't like, oh. I mean, just as we faithfully think through phase one, phase two, phase three, they're possible with the numbers of five, nine, or 12. Just five, nine, or 12. And I know for some, five is a big deal. I mean, it, it is. It is a big deal given where you're at in your life situation, the circumstances, and I totally get that. If you could only do $5, then praise God, do $5. For others of you, $12 isn't a big deal at all. I mean, you just kind of look through your own personal finances, know where you're at, the stability of your own life. $12 is really kind of, really, that's it? Just that, that's it? And so then give $12 and give more if you want to to supplement those who can't at this time. But it's 5 9 and 12 $5. Think about that for a moment. It is the cost of one foot-long Subway sandwich. Can you sacrifice a foot-long Subway sandwich per week for Jesus? It's for Jesus. Maybe you don't do Subway. You get those little healthy choice steamers at your supermarket. That's $5 right there. Just forgo one of those in the week, and you could give $5 more per week. Or that's one little Caesar's pizza. And hey, there's no criticism in it. It's the best pizza in the world, but it's cheap, cheap. $5, that's what it would take. Or maybe you're one of those fancy people that like to drive through Starbucks and get one of those venti-sized fancy drinks. That's $5. You give up one of those per week and invest it here at the Living Stones Church, and we'll be able to do amazing things with that investment. Or $9. That is one Red Robin cheeseburger. Now, that's nothing to laugh at. That is one seriously good cheeseburger, but are you willing to give up that cheeseburger for the cause of Christ here at the Living Stones Church? It's one salad at Logan's. And if it's on sale, it's one of those jumbo packs of toilet paper at Walmart. Important, I grant or 
For $12, you and your spouse can have two value meals at McDonald's. You can get a pot roast from the supermarket. That's two packs of cigarettes. It is the cost of a case of cheap Pabst Blue Ribbon beer, which isn't really that good anyhow, so I, I mean, so I've heard. So, <laughs> Five, nine, and 12. Hey, listen. If you're new here at the Livingstones Church, welcome. <laughs> I promise we don't talk about money hardly ever here. We just don't. I don't feel comfortable with it. It's awkward for me. I don't know why. I'm not even saying it's right. But other than the Christmas Eve offering when we took up uh, this past year, the last time I got up and talked about money in any significant way was last January. So for those of you who got here in February of 2009, you have never heard me get up and talk about money and giving. We just don't do that here. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Maybe that's part of our problem. I just don't do that. And so I don't want you to leave thinking, oh. But I, here, it's just awkward for me. But here's what's not awkward for me. I love talking about the vision of Living Stones Church. I love talking about my family, I love talking about myself, and I love talking about the vision of the Living Stones Church. And vision takes money. It just does. That's true in any area of our life. And so because of that, as awkward as I might feel, I have no awkwardness in saying you should support and be behind the vision of the Living Stones Church because I think through it, God is going to change the world. I really believe he's gonna, he is in process now of changing the south side of South Bend and preparing to change the rest of Michiana and the world around us because of what is invested here at the Living Stones Church. And because of that, I'm asking you to consider $5, $9, or $12. It will be a sacrifice for some. I totally get that. And for others, it will probably be nothing. But everyone can be a part of this. And as I think through it, Everyone is able to invest in the kingdom here to help the Living Stones Church move forward to formulating, as, as I mentioned earlier, when we get up in 2011 to say, look what all the things God did here, you'll know we did that. I did that. You can even get your kids involved. If they get allowance, tell them to hold back just 10% of that little allowance and give it to the kingdom at Living Stones Church and then tell our stories. Tell them what it did begin to shape in their heart for generations to come of what it looks like to invest in the kingdom of God and to always get a return because God is the one who is behind it. And for others, you might be thinking, by way of perspective, what is a measly $5 going to do or what is a measly $9 going to do or a measly $12 going to do? And it might not seem like a lot to you, but there's this sort of kingdom compounding effect that I've noticed in the scriptures, which means when you give your $5 and it gets added to that $5, to that $5, to that $5, God is able to do some amazing things with it. Or when that $9 gets added to that $9, to that $9, God is able to do some amazing things with it, or $12, etc. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus is about to, he, he's got a crowd, he's got 5,000 men, and who knows how many more women and children, and he wants to feed them lunch. And so he asks his disciples, what do we have to feed them lunch? It's laughable, really. And I think as a joke, they came to Jesus with a small boy who had two fish and five loaves of bread. And they said to Jesus, well, we have two fish and five loaves of bread. And I think they rolled their eyes as if to say, come on, Jesus, this is ridiculous. Send everybody home so they can go eat. But Jesus said, okay, give me the fish and give me the bread. And Jesus has this way of doing this miraculous thing where when we offer him what seems so small and so insignificant of making it a huge deal and feeding tens of thousands and having baskets left over. And I'm telling you, I think God could do the exact same compounding effect that we serve a king, that this is what this is all about. That when we invest in this way, even if it seems like such a small amount, that he has a way of taking it and saying, well, watch what I do with this now, and amazing things break out. You need to know, if you don't know, that 100% of all of the money that we have coming in, of all of our funding, 
comes from what we take up on a Sunday morning in our tithes and offerings. We have no benefactors. We have no denominational structure. We call some headquarters and say, hey, could you help us out with this amount of money? We have no large endowment from which we draw from for any of our operating expenses. What you give is what we have to support the mission and vision of the Living Stones Church. And so I'm asking, if you are all in here at the Living Stones Church, I'm asking you to be all in, in all of its aspects, not just, yay, good for you guys. I'm glad somebody around here is giving. But no, you too be all in and celebrate with us good things and God things and know you are the causation of those good things and God things. This is our cost of vision. This is the cost of Living Stones Church. And this is what as humbly as I know in my personality that is messed up in so many ways, I offer to you as a church to say, would you consider 5, 9, and 12 as possible investments in 2010 for the sake of the kingdom? Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would pour upon us a spirit of generosity that would allow us to invest in significant ways for your glory. And Lord, we pray at the same time that you would allow us to be very faithful in everything and that our eyes might be able to see that we might, by way of community, get to experience victories and moments of celebration because what we offer to you, you use and magnify and multiply to do great and wonderful things. So Father, I just pray for that, that you would bless us financially, uh, and just on an individual basis, Lord, for those who are here at the Living Stones Church, would you pour out a blessing on them so that in kind they might be a blessing to others. This is what we pray. This is what we ask in Jesus' name.